people are humans, right? We make mistakes. We need that grace. We need that understanding. And we need guidance, some more than others. And trying to find that right connection, yeah, it takes time. I mean, I spend a lot of hours on video chats just getting to know people before I ever try to say, do you mind trying this new thing? I think that's what we all have to keep in mind because we all have deadlines. But the more you can bring people along, I think the better off we are. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. I hope you're all doing well out there. My guest today is Chris Meyer, and he's the Diamond Excellence Manager at Covestro. And one of the things I'd like to do in this podcast is not only share thought leaders and, and authors and consultants and things like that, but also people who are actually doing the work of innovation. We've had a few in the past. Tim Kidd was a great one. We've had others. And now Chris Meyer actually is a, is a, a knows Tim. It's kind of fun, small world. But Chris, <laughs> met him, I met him at our user conference and he said he'd be willing to come on board. So hi, Chris. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate uh, the time and the opportunity to share what we what we do in innovation here. Sure, sure. Glad you could join us, Chris. Where are you joining from? So I'm based in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. So I work for Covestro. Uh, I'll have to explain that what Diamond is yeah, shortly. Yeah, well, that was going to be my um, next but, question. <laughs> yeah, Covestro bought the materials version of uh, RFM several years ago. So that's how I ended up in this region. Covestro didn't have a presence here. So they had no real position for me, which kind of uh-huh. made me nervous, yeah. but, they, but they took a look at my background and we'll talk about that today. It's a lot of process focus on optimizing processes and exploring new processes. And they said, we could use somebody like you to really help us optimize our innovation processes, our portfolio processes, even just the way we work in projects processes. So that's how I end up as Diamond Excellence, yeah. and the diamond is just the name for their project management process. Mm-hmm. It comes from a term 12, 13 years ago when they had based it on some sort of baseball analogy. I've actually <laughs> not been able to figure out the real story. I figure diamond came from the decision-making you process. You would think, yeah. Right. And that, that's the story I tell most people, but somehow uh, I found story. one document in the archives that does validate that there is some sort of a baseball relationship. That's funny. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And how's the, how's, how's the weather there? We always hear Chicago in the winter. Oh, look out. <laughs> Is it one of those winters? <laughs> it wasn't until about two weeks ago. So yeah. about two weeks ago. So we're recording this the last week of, of January to give people a time reference. And we got a foot of snow in a blizzard. It had, up to that point, had been in the 30s and 40s in Fahrenheit. And then we just got buried. And then immediately it went to negative 20 Fahrenheit. <laughs> so it just froze it all in place for a week. And now we're coming out of it as we have sleet and, rain, sleet and frozen rain coming yeah. down. Yeah. But we're finally at uh, 37 Fahrenheit, and it's just going to be a slow melt for the next few days. But it's still kind of gloomy. Yeah. But Okay. Well, we <laughs> can, can you talk do? about better topics than that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so let's talk about innovation. You're, you, you, you discussed your role a little bit. We, we want to explore that more. But Tell us about your background. How did you get involved in innovation and some of your background history? Sure. So I actually ended up in it, I'll say accidentally, and it took me a lot of years to kind of reflect on this piece of it. And when I came out of college, I was actually put in a tech transfer role. 
my role was basically to take something that was working once or twice or three times in a very advanced research and development lab and make it work repeatedly in operations. So basically, I was already working with innovation, not knowing it was innovation. I was just told to make this thing work better and make it work repeatedly. And so I did that for four years and then got pulled into a chemical company called Cabot. Uh, they spun us off into Cabot Microelectronics, which is also a semiconductor. And there, similar role. I was, I was doing more work with the customers. So again, taking our new products, making them work repeatedly at the customers so they could innovate. And then they moved me into product development, where again, taking this new idea concept that the company had and making it work repeatedly. And so through all of that, I, I look back on it now and go, oh yeah, I was always doing something innovative. And the role that I, I found that I really liked is that being that connector, yeah. being that process connecting person. Because what I realized is that I've got a bachelor's degree, so I'm not a PhD scientist, I have an engineering degree. But the people that did were brilliant at it. I mean, I've worked with some amazingly smart engineers and scientists. They weren't so good at connecting the dots, yeah. right? They weren't so good at going, well, what about the regulatory piece of this? What about that? And what I realized is that's where I could contribute. And it's so cool to be able to tell people that I helped shrink semiconductors so we could have cell phones, right? That yeah. was my role. Right? I didn't know it at the time. I was just doing the job. Or like, I came over to DSM and uh, helped develop fiber optic materials. Again, I couldn't tell you how the codings exactly work, but I know that my project and portfolio management skills contributed to making that 5G thing happen. And I just love that piece of it. And so that's how I ended up in this Diamond Excellence role, because Covestra has all these products, and they're like, hey, we want to bring them to market faster. We've got a sustainability agenda. We've got a circular economy agenda. We need to bring that in, and I can help. Yeah, fantastic. What a great set of experiences. And uh, having seen different companies, and may maybe the challenges were the same, maybe they were different, but tell us about some of the challenges. That maybe there's common challenges that these all these companies face when they're kind of trying to get into in innovation. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest challenge is getting – the people activated. And I don't try to explain that, right? But what I see happens a lot is you have that strategy and that vision and the mission. Those get a lot of hours, especially with senior leadership, maybe at an offsite, and they'll spend hours on that. And then they publish it. And it's like, go forth now, people, and make it happen. <laughs> and it's not that simple, right? And, and they'll have meetings to try to explain it. And I've had some great bosses that have actually sat down with the team and done that. But that's, I would say that's the oddity, not the mm. comedy. So what I like to do with my role then is to, to take a look at that and basically help people digest it, understand it, and then figure out where the gaps are and maybe their understanding or their skills. So I think that's one of the main issues is how do you activate people to pick the right projects, mm -hmm. execute the projects in the right way, right? How do you communicate it back up? How do you make sure you're aligned? A lot of times people don't understand how this, say this project, they've got maybe one or two projects on their plate. They don't understand how that drives this, this vision or this mission that maybe four or five Correct. levels above them. Yeah. 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 And so I, I enjoy trying to figure that piece out and helping people see that vision yeah. And and and, they, and then they get more passionate about it. 
right? And that's the thing about humans, right? I mean, most people, most, most, most people are humans, right? They run projects, yeah, right? I hope so. <laughs> and yeah, right. And and so they, if they're understanding what they're doing, they're more motivated, they're more confident in it, and things just naturally move better. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what are some of the techniques you you've done to kind of bridge that gap and try to make sure that people do understand? where they fit and, and people above understand how it's working. I mean, that's that gap that you mentioned there. What are some of the things you would recommend people do if they're facing the same situation where they are? Sure. No, that's a good question. So when I was at Cabot, they actually implemented something called, well, I mean, Six Sigma, right? And I absolutely fell in love with that approach. And I became a Six Sigma black belt. I got certified as a black belt. I didn't do it. So people, when they think about Six Sigma, there's actually two different, at the time, broad categories. Now it's been refined a little bit. But at the time, there was kind of fixing stuff. That was the DMAIC, define, measure, analyze, improve, control. And then there was the other one called design for Six Sigma. So DFSS. And that was actually designed to take ideas into new products. Actually, And to do it, though, in a very lean, smart way, so that when you handed it off to operations, it actually worked first time right. That was our metric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I couldn't hand off a project or a product if I didn't have a certain capability for operations to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. In that skill set, in order for that to work, there's a lot of visualizations. And one of my favorites is something called a transformation map. And what that does is you take, the, you take that mission and vision and you say, okay, how does that apply to our team? How can we link to that? And you say, here's where we are today. Let's say the current state. Mm-hmm. And then you take a look at where do we need to go, i.e. the future state, in order to, to enable that strategy, that mission, that vision. And that can be anywhere from, I've seen as short as six months. And the ones that I'm working on right now with Covestro are three years long. And I'll say they're perpetual three years long. Like mm-hmm. this, this is 2024. I'm already working on the one to go to 2026. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. do we need to go? But once you have those defined, then you can say, well, here's the stepwise piece. And and typically I see working backwards helps. It's like, well, if I want to do this, if I envision my day being this way in three years, then I need this in place. Well, we don't have that yet, so I need that in place. And then you mm-hmm. just slowly work backwards and eventually you figure out what your first step is going to be. Yeah. And it's very visual. I do this with a team. So my whole team is involved. It tends to be, especially with these days, I'm the only one in this region. So almost, I'd say 99% of my meetings are done via Zoom calls or Teams calls. So you have a multiple sharing screens and people editing offline and coming back. And it seems a bit cumbersome. But once I get the team aligned, we move. And everybody understands how they connect. They can understand that... I'll give a silly example, right? When I first got on board, we had a number of links in Accolade, right? That didn't work. Now, that could seem very tedious. It's like, why does this matter for innovation? How does this get us closer to, say, a circular economy? Well, if I'm using Accolade and I need help and I click on the link, that doesn't work. I'm now frustrated. I didn't get the help I wanted. And I now start to not believe in the process. And then I start to wonder, is the company really serious? Right? Mm. So all those things can go into the head of a person who might be frustrated. Maybe they don't want to be a project leader because they were just told to do it for a development opportunity or whatever. And so 
by linking that to say, hey, by fixing this link, yeah, I can then enable somebody to innovate a little bit better, to burn that energy somewhere else. And I, and I always think of that story, and some people say this is urban legend, but I still like the story. It's about <laughs> the janitor at NASA, right, who was asked by JFK, John F. Kennedy, the president at the time, like, hey, what do you do here? And the janitor said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. I love it. And so that's that cleanup stuff. And what I can say is, again, pulling out my Six Sigma hat, um, I had done a survey of of a few people before fixing things and a survey after. We were a D <laughs> before fixing things. Now we're a C plus. Okay. So we moved the needle. So you. So that's the other thing I recommend. If you're going to do transformations, find some way to measure. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so I created a poll. It's it's obviously subjective. It's humans, but in the end. It's a perception. I want people to look at the diamond process. I want people to look at Sophia and Accolade as the tool, or you know, if we have other tools, those are the two that most people reflect on when they think innovation at Covestro. And I have to use some sort of subjective path. And as long as it's moving in the right direction, then I know my transformation map is moving me in that direction. That is such an awesome story. And I, I just was thinking of people would read a book maybe somewhere, and it might describe you know, these transformation maps, and then they put the book on a shelf, and they, they don't put it into practice. And you have. And you've, it sounds like you've really been very successful because of the visual aspects of it, because of broadening it to to not just a, one or two people, but but a whole team or, or set of teams. That's a, that's a pretty neat story. So I'll have to certainly want to learn more about those, those transformation maps. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. Actually, as a follow-up, I brought it to DSM. They had never seen it. So that I, I brought it to them, and then I had to actually teach it to my fellow project management office people, and they started using it. Then I brought it to Covestro. They hadn't seen it. Yeah. And then I started teaching it to, we have a group, it's called Group Innovation here. And I taught them. And then, ironically, we were we, you and I got to meet Paul at the Sophian Connect in Atlanta, and I shared the transformation map journey there. Afterwards, a number of the other colleagues there said, hey, would you mind teaching us that? So now the transformation map is over in three or four other companies and I'm teaching them, I'm coaching it. And it's just a, it seems so simple, but it's such a powerful when people can see how their activity, and maybe it's a 30-day activity or 90-day activity, see how it's making that way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can see how, uh, where they fit. And, and, mm-hmm. and really, like you said, they get they get buy-in, they get connection, they get excitement, all those things that I think companies struggle with. It's it, it's part of culture too. I think the culture you must have seen culture change when you've kind of adopted some of these things at companies you've worked for. Yes. So if you take a look at, in fact, I was asked this question last week. I got interviewed internally about what I do, and um, they asked like, "Hey, how do we? How does Covestro compare to say DSM on the?" innovation transformation that we're on. I hadn't really reflected on it, so I had to take a few moments. But DSM actually had started their transformation to improving their project and portfolio management back in like 2008, 2010 timeframe. I wasn't there yet. I, I joined them in 2012. And we spent a ton of time when I got there getting to know the processes, implementing new processes. We used something called Project Plaza, which was our own tool, and then eventually moved into Accolade. But really defining those processes across all, DSM was a global company with multiple different businesses. 
So we, I would say in that 10, 15 year journey, eight, nine years of it was process focused. And then we started to innovate. Mm. And so that's what I told Covestro. I said, hey, you guys are on that same journey. Now you got the advantage that you bought a division that was already doing it and you're implementing transformation maps several years before we had that kind of a tool. It doesn't, it doesn't, I think it's a magical tool, but just some way of visualizing that, that culture change. But you could see the culture change at DSM unless you came in in 2018, 2019. Then you were always innovating. Mm, yeah. But you can see it here as people start to engage. And I say, we're just at the beginning. I said, we're probably in the first two or three years of that transformation. Yeah. But you can see people going, oh, I can see where we're trying to go. And the big thing I'm trying to get people to do is actually recognize that we can change. And that's yeah. the probably the biggest piece I see is that people always have thought, well, Covestro is a German-based company. They're based in Leverkusen. And that is where the bulk of everybody is. I'd say 80% of my team is there. So recognizing that somebody like me or somebody over in Pittsburgh or in Shanghai or wherever we have somebody based can actually suggest a change that's been a big deal, right? And that's been a lot of my job is to take and promote other people's ideas mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. community and, and getting them built. And that's been a ton of fun. Challenging. Yeah, yeah. Frustrating, you, uh, but fun. Yeah. Covestro is a, and, and I'll, maybe you can spend a second to say what, what they do, what their products are. But I had the pleasure of visiting their innovation center in Leverkusen. That's I was right. amazed. I was amazed. You just walked into that center and you could just feel creativity. It, is, mm-hmm. it was, there were a lot of things. It was these little boxes, I remember what they were called. And I, I don't remember the exact title on them, but it was like, grab one of these boxes. And it was like a little, a bunch of things in there to get you thinking, <laughs> to get you coming up yeah. with ideas and concepts. It was so cool. But tell us about Covestro. So Covestro is a, a chemical company. They spun out of buyer about eight years ago. I think this is the nine year, I think in September, it's nine years that they spun out. Uh, and they have two main product lines. Uh, the first one is polycarbonate. So if you think of some of your lenses on your on your glasses, or perhaps the covers on your headlights, that's where you run into polycarbonate. It's in a lot of places, but those are the ones that most people will recognize. And then they're also in polyurethanes. And again, most people will recognize that when you sit in a car, that foam is, is a polyurethane. So we're in that type of market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the purchase of RFM, they also had their own adhesives group and, and paints as well. So RFM kind of, that's where we were focused. We also had fiber optic materials that we brought to the market, but that's, I'd say that's 1% of the overall portfolio. And they spun out of 3D printing. So they're not an additive manufacturer anymore. That's over mm-hmm. with Stratasys now. So, so it's a pretty broad, yeah. categorically, the businesses, but uh, we play in automotive, architectural, all, all sorts of different markets there. And another cool thing about my my journey there to visit, because we did have our, our European Connect user conference, they hosted it very graciously. When I turned the corner after seeing the innovation boxes, then there were all these cubes for the UN initiatives around sustainability. Mm. So mm-hmm. again, just encouraging the sustainability as a, it was just there. If you're going to innovate, there was sustainability right there, which was really, really awesome as well. Yep. And that's all relatively, I'll say new again, in the last two or three years. And and that's what I'm really excited about with the Covestro's approach right now, because they're doing those types of things in Leverkusen. 
they're sharing them via video. Some people actually built some virtual, we're exploring like avatars in a virtual center. So I, I now can actually walk as Chris Meyer in that room. Wow. Now obviously me touching is not yeah. quite the same thing, but I love that they're thinking that way. Like how can we connect, right? So this isn't just a Leverkusen, Germany thing. How yeah. can I bring Shanghai, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Boston, all these other places we have innovation and sites, how can we bring them in? And then the other thing they did last year is pulled together a number of innovation short courses. It wasn't mandatory. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually suggested it ought to be because if you're going to make what do you call it, compliance mandatory, to me, innovation is also mandatory. You, you have to survive. Yes, yes. right? Right. I, and maybe that's a bit radical for people. I mean, you're agreeing, but I think teaching people what innovation is and how they play a role, but they went and did this and they spent hours and hundreds of hours and lots of people's time and built this beautiful sustainability and innovation and circular economy and how it all pulls together. They hosted seminars and they and webinars and they even interviewed people internally to share their best practices. And it's all online. It's it's live 24-7. You can go watch it, but we've recorded it and they're going to do it again this year. Yeah. And I think that's another way to change the culture. It sure is. There's been a a recurring theme in the people I've been talking to in the podcast about innovation maturing. People kind of use that word, hey, innovation is starting to mature. And what they're talking about, Chris, is these kind of things, having formal organizations responsible for innovation. I think you just you just said it. First, first step on that innovation as a discipline, right? Courses, mm-hmm. right? Not mandatory, but maybe eventually they do become mandatory, right? So you feel this, this innovation is maturing in that way. And I think some of the things you just described are spot on to see that journey, right? I, I'm really glad to hear you share some of those ideas because people can, can grab those ideas and think about in their own companies, oh, how might I do some of these things? Yeah. And, and innovation is everywhere. I think one of the things that I like to fight against if I have to have a battle is people think innovation is R&D only. Right. And it's so much bigger than that. I mean, I brought the transformation map in. Innovation, right there, right? It's just simple process innovation, right? Again, not to, not to bring up Accolade again, right? But how we use Accolade, right? It, it's software, it's a tool, it supports. Yeah. We can be innovative on, on how that's used. And Sofian is, is a good partner for that. We, we, we're grateful for that. Not to give that plug, but I think it's, it's good to have somebody who thinks along those lines Thank you. to share that. And innovation can be in the process. Like we have, it's a simple thing for, for Accolade, for example, if you want to do a risk assessment, what it used to be is you would say, oh, here's a link to this external page. Da, da, da. Now we've embedded that into Accolade. That's innovation. That's a small innovation. Yeah, it's right. not a new product. But when I think about what my role is, really, I think about it like work equals force times distance, right? Just to bring in some physics, right? And But the analogy helps, right? So force is like how much energy you have to put into something to move it a certain distance. So staying with that risk assessment, how much energy does my team have to put into it in order to get the benefit of doing the risk assessment? And if they're having to click through links that maybe they don't work or maybe they weren't trained and now they've got to wait for a training or maybe they only do a risk assessment once a year, how good are they going to be? Mm-hmm. Versus if I have links embedded into Accolade that describe the process, that can link them to a video that maybe sends an email if they really need more help, 
I can, yeah. I can reduce that. And it may, that's hard to measure, but I think you can reduce that. And I think you increase the amount of force or energy that people put into actually innovating, getting that product out in the world. And then by still increasing the distance. So you've really increased work yeah. in multiple ways. So great story. Great story. Well, I, you mentioned, you used the word video before and, and you've used a couple of times. I'm going to, Maybe put you on a spot a little bit, but you made a video that we all got to see at the, the, the Sofian Connect conference. That was, it was when you were talked about different people around the globe. And I'm thinking of some of the things you just talked about, about getting the company to recognize and appreciate the, the, the expansive uh, nature of people where they are, people who they are and where they are. You did a video of that. Tell us about that. Sure. That, that was a fun little side project. So probably give a bit of a background. I am an amateur songwriter. And so I, I tell that to people in my, hi, I'm Chris, kind of meet and greet type of thing. And somebody remembered that when last year was the 70th birthday of polycarbonate. That's when it was invented. And they wanted to do something really special. And so they said, they reached out and said, hey, I don't know if you're interested, but would you mind writing a song for Covestro. And of course, why would I ever want to bring my hobby into work, right? My, <laughs> of course I wanted to do it. And they said, great. So we've got some other people that have written some lyrics. We need some help with the music. And long story short, we put together the music. It took about three or four months bouncing between Shanghai, Hong Kong, Leverkusen, and Chicago, right? So it was really fun to, I've never collaborated like that before. And then once we got the song written and recorded, so I did the final recording here in Chicago. They sent me all their parts, and I kind of put them together. Then they went, and I didn't know they were going to do this, so this was really fun. Somebody went and videotaped people singing the song all over the globe. Okay. And they put it together, and it was, it was beautiful because there's people, like, I will never get to see most of these people. In fact, a lot of people in the company, we're an 18,000-person company, right? We will never get to see these people. But to see them come together, celebrate 70 years of polycarbonate, it was just, it was humbling, right, to be a part of that. But it was also eye-opening to realize all these different regions, they're a part of this. I mean, these are people that are helping us innovate, keep the running business. And so at the end of it, I asked, so when's the next one? <laughs> Right. And we're actually working on it now. We've got okay. song number two and song number three going right now. Yeah. And videos are so powerful for that, right? We're part of what I'm doing in my role too, because and I, I did try podcasting. I have to say you, you are far, far, far more successful than I ever was with it. But I knew that was a way to reach people. Yeah. And with this video concept, we're actually, I have something called the, the project management ecosystem where I'm actually inviting a little bit, I, I would be the Paul Heller in this case, but I'm inviting people who are great at, say, risk management mm -hmm. or great at stakeholder management. I say, hey, would you mind, it doesn't even have to be video, it can be audio or video, sharing your practices with the rest of the organization. Right? I have one of the best stakeholder managers I've worked with in the company. She's based here in Elgin, Chicago area. How is she ever going to teach somebody over in, say, Shanghai, or right. um, we have some people in South Korea who are project managers now? I think it'd be just so awesome to take that video and share it in that community and build that network and then link that video to Accolade, for example. You right? yeah. So you, you're struggling with stakeholder management? Boom. So that that's that's very powerful, those videos, because then you can see the person. They're, yeah. they're again, yeah. human. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in the company video, you could see the the, the pride people had. Yeah. There was such an emotional connection that happened. That was just brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fun story with that one too, Paul, is and I never thought about music opens up doors. Yeah. Right. So when I'm in a meeting and say, Hi, I'm Chris Meyer. Yeah, I did this. My hobby is this. They go, Oh, hey, you're that guy. You wrote uh, the song. Uh, and the barrier of here's this guy who's Diamond Excellence Manager coming in to tell me how to do it, it goes down. I got you. Yeah. Right? People say, Oh, wait, yeah, you're just you're just trying to help. I got it. Right. And nice. I've noticed ever since that song came out, a lot of people have been much more open to change, open to talking about change as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm excited to do more of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was, it's been a fun conversation, Chris. If there's one thing I think the listeners probably figured out, you're a connector. You're a natural connector. You connect people. And I, I hope well, you continue you. to do more of that. I know you're doing it inside of your company. You're doing it with other companies. You're, you've got these yeah. little networks going, and I just hope they keep growing. They're, they're, you're doing a great job with that. Thank you. <laughs> hey, thank you, Paul. I said we, we all have to come together to solve problems right so i love being a part of that yeah well chris any final thoughts as we as we wrap down you might have been preparing and thinking oh i want to make sure we cover this or that or did we get it all i think we could go on for hours about how we're doing all of this paul we've you and i've talked a number of times about the project management ecosystem and all of the different elements of it i say just for me people are humans right we make mistakes we need that grace, we need that understanding, and we need guidance, some more than others. And trying to find that right connection, yeah, it takes time. I mean, I spend a lot of hours on video chats just getting to know people before I ever try to say, do you mind trying this new thing? I think that's what we all have to keep in mind because we all have deadlines. But the more you can bring people along, I think the better off we are. That's a great summary. That's a great. Well, Chris, it's been fun. Thank you so much for for joining me. Let's do it again, because I think there's more to unpeel in this onion. So as you just mentioned, so it'd be fun. I'd appreciate it. Well, you take care, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Hey, take care. Appreciate you, Paul. And everybody on the call, I hope you enjoyed that. A lot of fun. Chris has a lot of great ideas. All right, Chris, let me ask you one last question. If people want to connect with you, what might be a good way to do that? Sure. Well, I actually told Tim I'd give him his name, but uh, so I just want to shout out. I'm, I'm kidding, Tim. But yeah, you can reach me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not very, very active user. I don't post much at all, um, but I do connect with people there. Yeah. So uh, you can reach me. My profile is up there. Just look for Chris Meyer Covestro and yeah. uh, happy to make some connections. I do have to tell everybody I have no budget. So for those who think they're going to connect and influence, I, I don't have a budget, but I'm yeah. happy to connect and share best practices and and learn. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure we put a, a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile in the show sure. notes. So, Sounds okay. Good. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.